number eight and be shared. And I thought that I would continue in the, under the context of, of understanding what it means by Christian liberty. That's a phrase that Paul used in Romans 14 as he spoke and related to an, a, a believer's freedom that we have in Christ, not to be mandated by certain regulations, but also to guard ourselves and to temper ourselves with good conscious decisions. Paul would say things like this, it might be lawful, but it doesn't mean it is necessary or it's right. That's kind of the argument. I thought that's where I would go, but no, as I was studying this text, there's a couple of other things that just began to surface, and I knew that I'd found the direction. Now, I'm going to be highlighting little different components of the 15th chapter of the book of Romans and one additional psalm here towards the end of the message. I'm going to extract for a point of reference one verse that's on the screen. I know you're already seated, but it is our uh, tradition as a church family to stand in the honor of the reading of Scripture. And if you don't mind, stand back up with me today. We're going to read this one verse of Scripture, understanding that we're going to go back to the text and extract other verses shortly. But this sets the tone for me. And I want you to read this very close. And let's read this verse, the 13th verse here of Romans chapter 15. Now the God of hope. I'm going to wait for a well-placed amen. The God of hope. God gives hope today. He does. I'm so thankful that we are never in a hopeless situation. He's the God of hope. And may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You believe what God said, you'll have joy and peace. Isn't that true? Today, thank the Lord for it. That ye may abound in hope. Now remember, as this word is being spoken to us, that it's, he's speaking to us, that as, as believers, he's speaking to all of us, that we may abound in hope as we believe. Through what? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. So let's read it together without breaking it down. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of of the Holy Ghost. What a powerful promise. It's a prayer Paul prays for the Roman church, and I believe that he would echo that same prayer for us collectively and you individually, that God would fill you, the God of hope would fill you with joy and peace as you believe, and that you too would abound in hope, and all of this will be accomplished by the supernatural power of the Spirit of God in our lives. So I'll preach to you today about the God of hope. Father, I love you today. God, let preaching be easy in this house. Father, Peter said that as a minister that I would speak as the oracles of God. And I want to pray that today. And I pray that there would be nothing distracting in us or around us that would rob the listening audience from receiving of the truth of the word of God. I pray today, Father, as I've prayed many times privately and publicly that an angel of heaven would descend, invisible to the natural eye, but God carrying a live coal of fire taken off of the altar in heaven. And as Isaiah said, that he would touch the lips of your speaker, the preacher today, God, and purge my lips that I might have a word in season for the people today. God, cleanse us all of all filthiness of the flesh and let us perfect holiness in the sight of God. 
And as we believe today, may we abound in hope, Father, because we're putting our trust in the God of hope, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. You can be seated today. Let me kind of just build just a little bit of the context of the 15th chapter of the book of Romans as Paul is culminating some of the things that he has taught, especially in the 13th and the 14th chapter, because I don't want to take a passage out of its context. I think that's very, very important. I'm not trained in uh, theology, but I do know you have to try to study in context for a moment of time. So we were concluding in the end of the 14th chapter last week, and we were looking at, again, the privileges and the liberties that we have in Christ Jesus, and that if you were not careful, that if you made certain choices, Paul closed the 14th chapter by saying, blessed are those who condemn not the thing themselves and the things that they allow. We talk about sins of conscience in Scripture. We have to guard ourselves through our Christian liberties not to wound or sin against a brother or sister. Paul said, summarizing, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. How many of you know that? It's what the Word of God says. So Paul is writing as, and transitioning from the 14th and the 15th. Certainly chapters was not inserted until many, many hundreds of years later. But the theme continues. And then Paul says, they that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And I concluded last week by sharing with you that even though that people differ in their uh, viewpoints of what liberties and what that they could take as a believer and yet not be sinned, it's our responsibilities to still receive one another. That we're to be kind and compassionate. And as long as someone possesses genuine faith in Christ, as long as they're, doing, they're, they're striving to, to grow and mature, if we, even if we differ to a degree, we're to receive them. And Paul said, even if you consider yourself the stronger person, then you're to receive the weaker person. And you're to even to help them to, to go through life because God's put a strength in you. Some of you have found yourself in that role. Some of you have, been, uh, you have found yourself in that position on a regular basis where there are people around you who we would say are weak in faith, and they look to you for strength, and you find yourself in a continual state of ministry to them. And Paul says, man, that's the heart of the gospel. We go on a little bit farther in that text, and Paul then talks about the gospel includes the Gentiles. If you take the time knowing the argument that Paul's made in the 9th, the 10th, and the 11th chapter of the book of Romans, you'll understand why Paul is affirming this principle one more time. Actually, he began this argument in the 2nd and the 3rd chapter. I thank God today that the Gentiles have been included into the family of faith. I thank God today that the, the writer Paul wrote in Ephesians that, that, the, that the Scripture says we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but we are fellow citizens with the saints. And we are of the household of God. I thank God I call him Father today. That's part of the argument that Paul is summarizing here. If we were to take the time to read the entirety of the 15th chapter, you would also see that Paul compelled the Roman church, which was comprised of both Jew and Gentile, to minister to the poor Jewish saints in Jerusalem. Paul was writing this epistle from Corinth, anticipating going to Rome 
and then from Rome going to Jerusalem, where he would then have an opportunity to minister to the saints, anticipating an opportunity for the resources to be laid up that he could minister to the poor saints. He said that if we've received of their spiritual things, it's our obligation to minister to them of our carnal things. This is Paul's argument here that he's making in this passage. I just want you to understand the context. Paul shared openly. He said that his greatest desire was to share the gospel with people that had never heard the gospel. Not preaching upon another man's foundation. See, as a pastor, I preach on other men's foundation. I preach upon the faithful service of 20 other pastors who went before me, who pastored First Assembly of God right here in this valley in Heber Springs. I stand on their shoulders. I stand on their foundation. Who we are and what we are is because somebody went in front of us. But Paul had a compulsion within him to go and share the gospel where he had never, where people never even heard about a man called Christ, didn't really even maybe even know about a God called Yahweh. Paul said, those are the people that I long to share with, to preach the gospel where he has never been heard, where it's never been heard previously. It was his passion. And as you were to take the time to read this passage on your own, and I know you're probably, some of you are probably scanning through it here, then Paul began to talk about something, though, that I want to show with you. There's three things that I'm going to primarily talk to you about that just leaped out in this text today to me. First is in the fourth verse of the 15th chapter. I've mentioned this many, many times. It's meant so much to me personally. But in the fourth verse, the Apostle Paul says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Let me just take a moment. We're going to dialogue with that. So the Apostle Paul here is saying that the Word of God, the Scriptures, if we'll take the time to read them and study them and meditate upon them, then he said they're going to give us comfort and we're going to learn patience. And as that happens in our life, God's going to give us hope. Thank God for the Word of God today. The second thing I want to talk about here as this message unfolds is that the Apostle Paul alludes to how God has used him in his ministry to the Gentiles by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the power of the Spirit of God. Paul talked about signs and wonders and the necessity for signs and wonders. He even affirmed that when hope comes to your life, hope is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of God. Hope is something that's hard to, and difficult to understand. It's difficult to be able to comprehend it. How can you be in the most difficult and devastating situation that's going on in your life and around you, yet there's a beacon of hope shining on the inside of you? Where does that come from? It comes from the power of the Spirit of God. Thank God for God's Holy Spirit. Number three the Apostle Paul then, as, the, as he begins to conclude in this 15th chapter, he talks about the, the church praying for him, that he would be delivered from unreasonable and unrighteous men. So he believed in the prayer of the saints. So we're going to talk about briefly today the power of the Scriptures, the power of the Holy Spirit to give hope, and the prayers of the saints. So let me take a moment of time to talk about the Scriptures. Paul declares that all Scripture has been given by inspiration of God. I tell you, I thank God for the Word of God today. When you read about this in the context that Paul is alluding to, we think about the Scriptures. Many of us talk about the Gospels, the narrative of Jesus' life. Or then we think about Acts and the recorded uh, you know, ministries of the Apostles. And then certainly our mind is filled beginning from Romans all the way to Revelation with the Epistles. 
But when Paul is writing this and he's exhorting the believer to look to the scriptures for comfort, he's not talking about the letter to the book of Gal- or the letter to the Galatians or the, to the Corinthians. He's talking about the Psalms. He's talking about the Proverbs. He's talking about the Old Testament. That's the scriptures to this Jew who's writing to both Jews and Gentiles. That that's what they have in their hand. They have the synagogue. They also have the newly founded church. And they hear the word of God. The early days of the church followed the example of the synagogue. And they openly, I started to read all 33 verses of chapter 15 in this room today. Because that was the pattern. When they came together, they just unscrolled the word of God and they began to read it. And that's why Paul told Timothy, his young apprentice in the ministry, he said, Timothy, Till I come, give attention to reading. What's he talking about? Reading what? The scriptures. And he's not even talking about it privately. The majority of people did not have a private copy of the word of God. But when they gathered in the house like you've gathered today, then someone was ordained of God to open the scriptures and read to be able to teach the people the word of God. And so Paul is saying, when you hear these narratives and you hear these accounts, he said, let that be written on your heart so that when you think about the situation that you're in, because you have seen the faithfulness of God. I'm telling you, that's why, where where do we get faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Paul said, it's the scriptures. Now tuck that away in your heart. We're going to come back to it. The scriptures build faith and they give hope. We're going to come back to it. I'm going to show you how this is going to work together. In just a moment, he said, Pastor, I'm not quite there with you. Stay with me. You're going to see how this works and how it creates hope in your life in a moment. Number two, the power of the Spirit of God. Can I say something to you today, church family? I'm grieved. I'm grieved that we as Pentecostal believers are not receiving of the fullness of the Spirit of God in our generation. Let's just be honest. Let's call it the way it is. I'm tired of burying people that have died of cancer. I'm tired of, of, of us being saying it was a terminal disease. I'm just tired of it. I'm, not non, I'm thankful for heaven. I'm thankful for eternity. But I've been asking God privately and saying, I've been like Gideon, threshing wheat, uh, you know, in the wine press. And when the angel came to him and said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, for the Lord's with you. Gideon said, if God is with us, he said, then where's all of his miracles? I've been praying that way in my own prayer time and say, God, I'm reading about the testimony of the miracles of my forefathers in the faith and the Pentecostal movement, and I know them to be true, and we believe in them, and we believe in the same God, but why aren't we seeing it in our generation? Why aren't we seeing it in the generation that we live in today? Has God changed? His arm is not shortened, Isaiah said. His ear is not deafened. Where's the problem? Is it us? Whatever it is, I just want to arrive at the place in my life where a testimony can be written. I've been praying this way privately in my own, just for the last couple of weeks, just a shift inside of me, saying, God, if you want to show your power fresh to a new generation, then God, let it be us. If you're looking for a preacher, I don't know if he is. Maybe he's not, but if God's looking for a preacher, God, you can find one right here. 1820 Little Rock Road, you'll find me and my wife abiding in our house together. If you're looking for a man to put in a... Paul said, God anointed me with supernatural signs and wonders. You remember the testimony about Paul? They took handkerchiefs off his body. Handkerchiefs off of his body to heal the sick. 
put it on demon-possessed people. Demons' assignments were broken by a handkerchief saturated with the sweat wiped from the brow of a man making tents to provide for his own ministry so he doesn't have to be dependent upon the newly churches to, to, to supply ministry provision for him. They took the handkerchief off of his body, took it to Grandma who was dying, put it on her body. She got up and fixed supper for him. Come on, somebody. And to people that were under the power of demonic spirits, and, and exorcists had attempted to cast the devil out, and the devil still twisted the minds of those men and women, and they weren't able to be free. But the Bible says they laid that those garments on those demon-possessed, and the demon's assignment was broken. I don't know about you. That does something for me. That says, God, you can do anything. I've told this story. One of my favorite preachers of days gone by is R.W. Shambach. And I've listened to hundreds of R.W. Shambach's messages over the years, and I get stirred every time that I do. And I can remember him telling the story long years ago that when he came, he was preaching in a tent service, and just before the service, a woman went up to him and said, Brother Shambach, he said, I want you to take this bag of M&Ms, uh, peanut M&Ms, and I want you to wear them. And he said, woman, you are crazy. I'm not wearing any M&Ms. He said, I wear clothes. I don't wear M&Ms. And she said, no, you don't understand, Brother Shambaugh. My sister has, uh, has uh, become mentally ill. She's in a hospital. She's been institutionalized. I've been sending prayer cloth after prayer cloth after prayer cloth. They know what they are. They think that, that we're foolish. They won't put the prayer cloths on her. But they let me send her candy. And R.W. said this, a man of faith and power said, give me those M&Ms. And he put them in his pocket. And he preached the gospel under the anointing of God. And at the end of the service, he took them out and gave them back to her. And he said, send them to your sister. Six months later, he was preaching in the area again. And this time, two women come in the service. And it was the woman that came forward and her sister. And the short testimony to a long story is this. Almost like the days of Nebuchadnezzar when his reasoning had departed and his reasoning came back. She said, I was in a fog for all that time until I bit down on a peanut M&M and the power of God broke the yoke. Come on, somebody. That's our heritage. That's who we are. We are spirit-filled believers. And I'm tired of just listening on a videotape or an or a, or a iPod or whatever it is that we listen to it and we don't. And it's not being manifested in our midst. Let's call upon the name of God. And let's say, God, if you did it for one. Paul said signs and wonders. Verse 19 of that same text. Through my, I just got that down in my spirit. And I know I'm a pastor, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a prophet, I'm not an apostle. All those things, I understand all that. But I'll tell you what, God can still choose to use us. He can, through mighty signs. And I know there are churches that every time you go together, it's about them. And I'm a pastor, I believe in discipleship, I believe in instruction, I believe in justification and sanctification and righteousness. And I believe in teaching you how to live and relate to one another and walking in forgiveness and giving and all the things that takes you to become a solid Bible-believing believer in Christ Jesus. All of that, I want to be a part of it. But I don't want to do that without the power of the Spirit of God. I want to be found guilty of saying, come on, God, we need your power in the earth. We need it. We need the power of God in the church. Paul, 
Paul believed that the power of the gospel would be conveyed more adequately with signs and wonders following it. When people that had never heard about Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, Yeshua, they had never heard about Yeshua, but when he would command sick people to be healed in the name of Yeshua, then things began to change. What would happen in this deranged generation that we're living in today if the authentic, genuine power of God began to manifest itself? You know, we got a wonderful group of men and women in our church right now who are zealous for church growth. And I'm so excited about their zeal. Their zeal has bled over to me. And I'm excited about trying to get the word out. But, you know, I got to thinking about that. And because we're trying to do everything, we're going to start, we're going to redo things that have been done previously. We're going to do everything we can. We want people to come and we want their experience in the church to be great. But I'll tell you what, you let signs and wonders start happening. I say, you when that begins to happen, it won't matter whether we got a greeter. It won't matter whether we have a gift bag. It won't matter whether or not uh, we have anything that we use as tools to, to get. It won't matter. Those are good things. But if we can get the signs and wonders of the Spirit of God moving freely in the church again, I'll tell you, you know what our greeters then will be? They'll be crowd control. They'll be, and the ushers will be, instead of trying to say, well, there's plenty of seats, they'll be, you're going to have to wait here because i got to find you a seat, right? Because people, if they could ever come in contact with the authentic power of God, not this fabricated thing, not this thing that's mysterious, but there's no validation. I'm not talking about a false validation of the Word of God and the miraculous. I'm talking about authentic miracles in the name of Jesus, I ask myself in private, and I say, God, God forbid that we don't petition you for miracles. Who are we to say, God, you did it then, but you won't do it now? I'm not going to say that because he's the God of all hope. I'm going to never tell. I thought about this. I'm going to be very transparent right now. The last text that I sent my friend whose daughter just passed into eternity was, Fear not, believe only. But she passed. But let me tell you, you know what? The doctrine doesn't change. Even when things don't work out the way that all of us long for them to work out, we'll never build our faith upon the testimony of someone else. We build our faith on the authentic Word of God. My challenge to you today is, fear not, believe only. You're in a crisis situation, He's the God of all hope. May He fill you with hope today. May you walk out of this church today saying, man, my situation may have not changed around me, but something's changed in me, and I'm lifting my eyes up to the God of all hope who can do exceedingly. Let me tell you what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. What power is that? That's the Spirit of God. He works in us. Number three, very quickly, Paul also believed in the prayers of the saints. Man, I thank God for a praying church. I thank God for people who yoke together with us in prayer. Hmm? Paul the apostle on more than one occasion. Now, Paul is actually, verse 13 was his prayer for the Roman people, Correct? Are y'all with me? Verse 13 was his prayer. Now may the God of hope. Isn't that a prayer? May the God of hope fill you with hope. 
But then later in the text, he's asking them to pray for him. Verse number 30. Paul is saying, strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. This was not the only account in Scripture where Paul asked the church or an individual to pray for him. To pray that he might be uh, able to join them. Paul was persecuted because of his ministry to the Gentiles. The Judaizers and often the Roman government, those two things often uh, working together, persecuted the Apostle Paul. Correct? Many of you have read his account uh, of his life in the book of Acts. And Paul often faced very difficult situations. He despaired of life on more than one situation. Correct? Come on now. I'm talking to studious people. There were times when Paul said, outside were fightings and inside were fears. On more than one occasion, Paul prayed and wrote in his epistle and said, I'm asking you to pray for us. You don't have anybody to pray for. I can tell you, it's Lee A. Brown. Stage name, Leroy. Come on now. You can pray for me and my family and pray for God, but I, I want you to see something. Now I want to transition this, and I want you to see, because the God of all hope, I want to begin to make it personal to you. Paul, in 2 Timothy 3, verses 11 and 12, I want to show you this. This is how all this works, and it's going to, make, it's going, it's going to show you the puzzle, and it's going to help you have hope in difficult situations. In 2 Timothy 3 and 4, I want to show you Paul's writing to Timothy. And he says first in the 11th verse, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me, correct? Now remember that phrase. Don't forget that. We're going to come back to them. But out of them all, the Lord, remember, he's asking the Roman church to pray for him to be delivered from unreasonable men. Now, the 12th verse said, well, Paul, but Pastor Brown, you're talking about Paul. Well, look at the 12th verse. If you'll live godly in Christ, you know what? You're going to suffer persecution. There's going to come a day and a moment, whether it be people around you or demonic powers that have been sent by an enemy because you're advancing the kingdom of God, the adversary is going to lay a trap, set a snare, send oppression, send people around you to fight and chip away at your faith. All that live godly, male, female, rich, poor, doesn't matter. If you're living godly in Christ Jesus, there's going to come a day where you're going to face persecution. Afflictions are going to come. Challenges are going to come. And then later in that passage in the fourth chapter, Paul once again spoke of his own personal testimony. He said in the 17th verse of the fourth chapter, read that with me. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Man, you missed a great place to say amen. The Lord stood with me. How many of you have ever said that in your own mind? Felt like everybody had left me, but God was with me. Felt like I didn't have a friend in the world, but I had a friend in Jesus. Come on, I feel the Spirit of God right there. He said, but the Lord was with me. Matter If I'd have took you into the earlier verses, he said, at my first defense, no man stood with me. They all forsook me, but the Lord was with me. Hallelujah. And the Lord did what? He strengthened me. And that I continued doing what I've been called to do. That by me, the preaching might be fully known. 
and that all the Gentiles, remember his compassion and passion for the Gentiles, referenced in chapter 15 of the book of Romans, the Gentiles who never heard. He said, I had such a passion that they would hear the gospel, and I, and the, and I was persecuted because of it, but God was with me. And the, he said, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So Paul faced numerous situations where ungodly and unrighteous men put him in prison. They beat him. Come on, he was shipwrecked. There were times that he was ostracized from his, the local religious community. But Paul said, no matter what was going on, God was still with me. I want you to know no matter what situation of life that you're in right now, there is a God in heaven that's not forsaken you. He's not left you. He's right there with you every moment of the day. He's a friend that loveth at all times. He is. That's our God today. But I want you to see how Paul tapped into a principle that if you and I get this in our spirit, now go back to the third chapter of 2 Timothy, that one verse that I told you to pay attention to, which was the 11th verse, very quickly. I want you to see this phrase. But out of them all, the Lord did deliver me. You say, now, Pastor Brown, what the, you gotta, can, I, can I help you all here today? Will you all work with me for a little while? I think you're getting help right now. But it's even going to get better. Verse number 4, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Correct? Romans chapter 15. They're written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now, when you see that, what the, and then you see a phrase like Paul used in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. He said, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all. The Lord did deliver me. Catch the phrase. Out of them all, the Lord did deliver me. Paul being a Jew, a Jew who knew the scriptures, who knew about the testimony of the prophets and the patriarchs and the psalmist. I have to believe that when Paul, when he wrote those words to Timothy, and he said, man, I went through trial, I went through difficulty, I went through difficult seasons in my life, I was afflicted, persecuted, but out of them all, the Lord did deliver me. What was, it, what was there something in his spirit that had given him the courage to write those words based upon his own testimony? I believe it was because at the darkest point of his life, he found hope in the Word of God. And you say, Pastor, where's that phrase at? I've heard that before. In Psalm 34, the sweet psalmist David said these words, the righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Oh my God, I feel Jesus. Now I want to share this. I'm not even through yet. Now listen, the Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. I mean, oh, God is near you today. If your heart's broken before God and you're humbled before God, how I many know God is near you? Let's go a little bit farther. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Verse number 19. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Let me read that one more time. In verse number 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. Now, it's my belief, you may not believe this way, but when Paul was persecuted for his faith and when evil men were stacked against him and he was backed in a corner and he uh, travailed even of life, 
I believe that the Spirit of God would have searched the recesses of his own soul and that as a child he was probably in a synagogue somewhere where a man of God unscrolled Psalm 34 and read those words. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but out of them all the Lord doth deliver me. And so when Paul was going through that travail, he could look back in time and say, God, you said, let me say it one more time. I'm preaching way better than you are shouting, but I'm all right with that. I want you to know that faith moves God. Not fear, not sympathy, not just travail. The thing that's going to move God is when you believe God, that you believe His Word and His promises. This text of Scripture is very unique. Psalm 34. Can I talk to you about it in closing? Now, I'm weaving all this together. You say, Pastor, I didn't know that Romans 15 was tied to 2 Timothy 3 and was tied to Psalm 34. Well, now you know. Thank God for the Word of God. Can I, can I build this thought with you for a moment? Because I'm telling you, it's a difficult day in which we live. Tough times come. Come on. And we need hope. You need hope. That's why you search the Word of God and read and pray. Psalm 34 is a unique psalm because it's preceded. It's got an introduction to it. Most, some psalms do, some psalms do not. It starts out not in verse 1. It starts out in the introduction. It says, the psalm of David, when he changed his behavior... Before Ahimelech, who's also known as Achish, the king of Gath. When he changed his behavior and the king of Gath drove him away. And he said, Pastor, uh, take me, let, me, let me put all that together with you for just a moment. David pins this psalm after a traumatic moment in his life. What was that traumatic moment? 1 Samuel 21 tells us, that because of the jealousy of King Saul, David, who had been living in the king's palace with him, is no longer able to live there for fear of his life. Everybody remembers that, don't you? You remember that, right? And so as a result, he becomes a fugitive. The first place that he goes to is he goes to the tabernacle. And he there obtains resources. And it's there that he meets with the priest. And he says to the priest, I need a weapon because I'm on the king's business. He's not necessarily fully truthful. And he said, I need a weapon and I don't have one. And the priest said, there's one here. There's none like it anywhere. It's the sword of Goliath. You remember that narrative? David had slain Goliath, not with a stone. He knocked him down with a stone. He had no weapon in his hand. So he reached down and drew the sword of Goliath. I know it's bloody, but you probably watched some old movie this week that had far worse details than what I'm giving you today. And David, the young shepherd boy, soon to be king, took the sword and beheaded Goliath with his own sword as the Philistine army watched on one side of the mountain. And it put them to flight, and the Israelites chased after him, and it launched David to become a national hero in Israel. David said, there's no sword like it. Give it to me. 
He takes the sword, and without prayer, without seeking the counsel of God, he said, where can I go that Saul won't look for me? And you know where he goes? To Saul's arch enemy, the Philistines. But you've got to see this. And you may think, well, that was a wise, no, that was an unwise move. It was unwise to get the sword of Goliath. He had, done more, he had accomplished more with a sling. Now he rides up in Gath, Goliath's hometown, with Goliath's sword at his side. Now Achish, the king, receives him peaceably. The Bible doesn't tell us how long he's there. But people started talking and said, this is David. Achish said, you know what, I'm going to give you a safe place, kind of a refuge. But the people around him said, uh-uh, that's David. And David began to pick up on it. And David began to realize, I have made, have you ever made a mistake that you thought you were doing the right thing only to look up? And you've gone from a bad situation to a worse situation. And there's nobody to blame but you. I mean, you know, that's a difficult place to be. Right? And so David knows he can't fight his way out. He's inside the city. The walls are closed. Or the, or the gates are closed by the, at the wall. And so David doesn't know what to do. And this is where the Bible says that David... I believe by the Spirit of God rose up with a plan inside him of, that would obtain his. Sometimes the best way is to just get out of a situation. How I many know sometimes victory is just to escape? I know there have been times in my life that I didn't put my foot on the neck of my enemy, but sometimes I just got away, by the, like Job said, by the skin of my teeth, and I took that as victory. And so David, you know what the Bible says he did? The Bible says that he feigned himself mad. King James English, he pretended that he was a madman. And he acted a fool in the presence of the king. Erratic, talking, crazy. To the degree that the Bible says that he let the saliva in his mouth begin to form and flow out of it until it dripped down on his beard. And then, much to the amazement of the king, he went outside the palace and he began to scratch on the gate of the city, began to mark on it, scratch on it. The Bible says scribbled on it, scribbled on the gate. And when Achish saw it, he said, why is this madman brought in here in front of me? Get him out of here. Because in those days, they considered it taboo if you, if you hurt somebody who was deemed uh, mentally ill. And so instead of killing him as their enemy, they opened the gate and they let him go. And David is later writing. And I'm going to show you something in a moment that's powerful. I've done it before. I'll do it one more time. David is later writing in that psalmist, Psalm 34. And the psalmist David said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. And hundreds of years later, the apostle Paul's going through the darkest moment of his life. And he don't know if he's going to see a brighter day or even another day. But the Spirit of God that was on the inside of him said, Remember, when King David didn't know how he was going to get out of his situation, but he began to salivate and he began to worship and to act like a fool. And God delivered him from his enemies. 
Let me tell you today, we serve the God of all hope. I remember years ago, I was studying that passage out, and I've shared this a couple of occasions. I want to do it one more time. When it says scribbled in the original language, it's only used twice. It's tavah in the Hebrew, and it means to mark. And it's used again in Ezekiel when they set a mark on the people. And at the very root of the word, a mark is made in Hebrew. An indicator of mark is in the sign of a cross. Did you know, actually, I was reading about that and looking at the historical narrative of this, is that in the early days of the church, bishops oftentimes when they signed certain decrees, if they couldn't write, they would put the sign of the cross. Today, you've heard about people who can't read or write that they can put an X for their name. That comes because the cross was originally, come on now, the cross. And so I, I pictured that one time when I was in a difficult moment in my life and I was resounding that in my spirit and I saw David outside the, 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 the palace of the king acting like a madman and putting the mark of the cross on his gate to deliverance. And I said, my God, if you did it for David, then you'll do it for me, glory to God. And I believe with all of my heart that the Apostle Paul, when he said to Timothy, he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, many persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord did deliver me. I believe the Spirit of God reminded him of David when he was in Gath, and God miraculously delivered him and penned that psalm. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, out of them all the Lord shall deliver him. Church family, what did I come along to tell you this morning? He is the God of all hope. And if you will believe, he will fill you with joy and peace, and you will abound in hope to the glory of God. And it will be accomplished by the supernatural power of the Spirit of the living God. And I want us to be a fellowship that says with God all things are possible. I may have to escape. I don't care. The Bible says he escaped to the cave of Adullam. That's all right. Sometimes my testimony may be I made some bad decisions, but God in His grace, God in His grace brought me out in the, fu- the foolishness of my decisions and put me where He wanted me to be. Church family, we serve an awesome God today. He's the God of all hope. Why is your head hang down? Why are your hands at your knees? Why? Why? God is able. He's our friend. Come on. He's, our, come on. He's a way maker to us. We trust Him. He's our healer. He's everything we need Him to be. He's the God of all hope. You need hope in your life? Then look to God today. I didn't say look to the church. I didn't say look to religion. Look to God through Jesus Christ. He's the God of all hope. He'll fill your heart with joy and with peace. And you'll abound in hope. But it's hinging upon if you believe. Do you believe today? Would you all stand up with me today in this room? Can we do something as a fellowship? Three things that the Apostle Paul noted that I noted from his writings there that sparked hope. The Scriptures give hope. You believe that? You believe the Scriptures give hope? They do, don't they? You're not going to read that story again in the same lens, are you? You're going to feel it differently every time. You're going to be like, my God. I've often said this way, when he let that spittle fall out on his beard... David said his praise will always be in my mouth. 
I think sometimes when, you know, us, preach, my preacher, us preachers get to preaching, spit starts going everywhere. I know that's why Julie and Dylan are the only two brave enough to sit up here on the front. I understand that. You know what? But I see that often. I, you, you think I'm crazy? I know I'm crazy. I don't care. They thought David was crazy, but he escaped. I don't care what the world says about us. We're, we're, we're foolishness to the world. We are. This gospel's foolish. We're believing in an invisible God to do visible things. We're believing in a God we can't see, feel, or touch to hear and answer prayer and move in our lives in a powerful way. Aren't we believing that? So Paul said we put hope in the Scriptures. He said the Spirit of God gives hope. And he also believed in the prayers of the church, didn't he? He believed because he said, I'm here. I want to be with you. Pray for me that God will send me to you. So I'm going to ask you today, Pastor Brad, I came to church today, and I'm in a real situation. It's a difficult situation. I haven't had the answer, and to be honest, I haven't had hope. But I'm trusting that God's going to do something powerful in my life. Then you come to the front right now. Don't be ashamed. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many times you've come to the front. It matters not to me. I want to pray. I want to ask our church family to pray. I'll anoint you with oil. We will lay hands on you. We will pray a prayer of faith, and we're going to pray for you to believe. We're going to pray for God to do great things in your life. I'm going to wait on you. I believe there's more today. God's doing things. Why would we not trust him to do things? The Bible's filled with the record. Paul said in Romans 15 and 4, these things were written aforetime for what? For your learning. Aren't they? For your learning, for our learning. That's why we're here today. Trusting the Lord, aren't we, to do great things. I want to believe God. I want the power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God. So far, just ladies that are coming forward today, right there. Except for Larry. He's, you're not a lady, Larry, just so you know that. But If you are, your parents shouldn't have named you Larry. But I'll tell you what, I've got faith in my heart. I'm tired. I'm just tired of us not seeing the power of God at the level we ought to see. And I'm grieved about it, and I want us to, I want us to stand and pray with each one of these that have come forward and pray in faith, pray for the joy and peace, and pray that their hearts will abound with hope, that they won't walk out of this room saying, oh, just exasperated, they'll walk out with hope that God is working in their lives. Does that make sense today? Can I have our church family, those of you that would come behind them and just give them that support that they need? If you touch somebody, let me tell you, touch them in faith. I'm going to come and anoint with oil. We're going to do what our spiritual forefathers have done for the last hundred years. We're going to anoint with oil, and we're going to ask the God of all hope to fill our church family with hope in believing that, God, today you're going to do great things today. The Father, as I lay hands on this group of men and women here today, primarily this group of ladies today, God, in the name of Jesus, they need a miracle. If they weren't here, they, they, they're coming because they need a miracle. Father, they need a miracle of faith. And I want to see God faith arise in my heart and in their hearts today in the name of Jesus. Let hope arise. You're the God of hope. God, I don't want anyone to walk out of this room and say, my situation is hopeless. But fill their hearts with faith 
Now, as I anoint with oil, I want you to continue to pray. To pray for each person. A church family, if you didn't come forward, then I want to ask you to stretch your hand. I know you can rush out of here. I know you got things to do. But there's nothing more important than you can do right now than to pray for your church family. God, I know that Tina is here to pray for her mother. God, fill them with hope, joy, and peace in believing, and that their hearts would abound in hope today, God. That's our prayer. It's a prayer of faith. Lord, we anoint with oil today, God, and we're believing for supernatural intervention. David found it. David found a unique escape route. He feigned himself a madman. God, if we do things that the world thinks crazy, we're all right with that. As long as it leads us to the cave of Adullam, victory, Father, victory as we make it a, a testimony in the name of Jesus. We're trusting God. We're not going to give up. We're not going to give in. We're going to ask of you, God, we need your help. I feel that right now in my spirit. And I want to ask you, the person that's in front of you, lay hands on them today. They don't, don't come to the front without laying hands on somebody. Put your hand on their shoulder and let's trust him. These ladies had the courage to come forward and say, church family, pray for me. And if you're here today and you want to pray specifically for one, if the Spirit of God moves on your heart to go to somebody and specifically and purposely pray for them, then I want to ask you to do so today, God. Feel heart of faith, God, believing, hope, hope in the name of Jesus. You're the God of hope. God, you're the God of hope. God, you're the God of hope. Fill us to believing, God. Fill unto overflowing in the name of Jesus. God, may we believe. Believe what your word says. We look to the word of God for hope. God, I'm praying over each one of these ladies, God. God, give them a word. Paul had a word. He got a word, a word that kept him. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but out of them all the Lord will deliver them. God, these ladies that have come forward, Father, some of them may be afflicted, persecuted. Father, they're in a season of tribulation and they need the help of God, the supernatural power of God. Move on their behalf, God. I don't want to be found guilty, Father, of unbelief. I don't want to be found guilty of saying, well, we just, you know, it didn't happen for someone else, so we're not going to. No, we're going to put our foot down and we're going to say, God, you're going to do this for your glory, God, in the name of Jesus. That's what we're praying right here, right now, the supernatural manifestation of the power of God. We don't want religion, but we don't want false hope. We don't want a false premise. What we want is the promise of the Word because your Word changes not, God. We believe what you said. You meant what you said. We hear it, we receive it, and we believe it in the name of Jesus. God, we're looking to you, God, supernatural, the power of God. We need the supernatural power of God. We need direction. We need clarification. We need hope, God. Father, we need hope. We need answers. Some in this room right now, God, they've got a situation they're praying about, and they're saying, God, I've got to have an answer. I don't know what to do. I'm I've done everything that I know to do, and what I've done had worked, and I need the help of God. Sometimes you just need wisdom, what to do. Sometimes that's direction. David said God delivered him. You can look at it and say, wait a minute, they kicked him out. No, that was God moving the king to release his man so that he could go back to his rightful place in the name of Jesus. God, give wisdom. God, give wisdom. God, give healing virtue to Sister Cossie. God, give her wisdom as well. God, give her wisdom and healing and mercy and kindness. Oh, God, the God of all hope. 
God, we want to believe in the name of Jesus for supernatural power of God, the supernatural truth of the Word of God in Jesus' name. Fear, fear, Father, we break it in the name of Jesus. It's a liar. Fear is a liar. We curse it in Jesus' name. Lord, we call on your name today, and we're going to walk in faith, and we're going to believe. We're going to stand in faith supernaturally, yoking together brother to brother, sister to sister, God, and we're going to believe, God, in Jesus' name. I lay hands on Leanne today. God, trusting in the supernatural God of hope, God, fill her heart as she believes with both joy and peace, and may her heart abound in hope today, God. You're the God of hope. Lord, I anoint Shelly with oil today, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, an anointing on her life, God. Let hope arise. God, come on, we stand in faith. Fair and I lay hands on her today in the name of Jesus. Fill her heart with hope. Father, I pray over her today, God, that she won't fear, she won't worry, she won't doubt. Cast it down, throw it down in the name of Jesus, and that she'll trust in the promises of God. God, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for her today. God, I pray today in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray for Aunt Betty today, God, in the name of Jesus. Fill her heart with faith. We lay hands on her. We're glad she's home, God, in Jesus' name. Fill her heart with faith. Faith. The God of hope. Come on, that's what he said. He's the God of hope. Fill your heart with joy and peace. Supernaturally by the Holy Ghost. And your heart will abound in hope. Hope. God, sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes that's all we lack. It's just hope. Hope that says, you know what? There's going to be a brighter day. Come on, who can say that with me? Say, God, there's going to be a brighter day. An answer's coming. Strength is coming. Strength is coming. I want you to think about that. I feel the Spirit of God. I don't want to try to make up something. I'm not trying to come. My heart's heavy, church family. I can be honest. Man, I went to bed excited about preaching this message. I got up this morning with, dis, with disappointing news and, and, and fear tried to, to, to rob me of preaching the word. And I'm not going to let it happen in the name of Jesus. He's the God of all hope. No matter what happens around me, he's the God of all hope. No matter what happens in my situation, he's the God of all hope. I have hope. You have hope today. We have the possibility and the promise of God doing great things in our life. David said, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him of all his afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but out of them all the Lord doth deliver him. And Paul said, what afflictions and persecutions came to me, out of them all the Lord did deliver me. Because Paul had hope. You have hope today. Those of you that we anointed with oil, and if there's anyone, was there anybody that, was, that came forward to be prayed for that, that did not get anointed with oil? I don't want to miss anybody. If you were in the second row, I don't want to miss before. Anybody? Today, Julia and Miss Pat, right? We're going to anoint today. Come on, put, lay hands on today. In the name of Jesus. Put hands on right there, Sister Karen. Come on, we're trusting God. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're the God of all hope. We've got hope today in believing. God, we believe for miracles. We are unashamed to ask for miracles. 
we're unashamed to say, God, do things in the name of Jesus for your glory. Change times and seasons. Move, bend, heal, restore. Whatever it is that we have need of, God, let every person that we've laid hands on today have the full assurance, God, hope in the name of Jesus. Hope today, God, in Jesus' name. Mr. Pat, did you need, you want, you know, okay. I didn't know. Lord, we pray today, God, you're the God of hope. Every person that I've laid hands on today, I'm just trying to be, church family, I'm just trying to fulfill what the Word of God says. The Word says, anoint with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Bible exhorts us to lay hands on one the other, pray one for another. That's why it's not just me, it's us. That's why I, there's no superstar here, there's, but it's the Spirit of God. Paul said, you know, there are times he was the one praying for the Romans, and then he said, and by the way, would you pray for me? So we're just praying for one another, and we're praying for each other, that God would abound Hope would abound in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit today, God, in the name of Jesus. Church family, I want you to, as I close off here in prayer, and I'm unashamed today, and I make no apologies to anyone, I'll linger as long at the altar as we need to to live, to give people hope. You know, the world thinks that we're foolish. The world t- thinks that we, we, we give people false hope. I just believe that with God all things are possible, don't you? I just do. And I'm not going to, no matter, even when I'm disappointed, even when a situation has not worked out the way that I had hoped it would, the truth of the Word doesn't change. He's the God of all hope. He'll fill your heart with faith as you believe and you will abound in hope. Thank God for His promises today, Ben. Thank God for His promises. Let's pray a closing prayer today. Father, we love you. I'm so thankful for the men and women of our assembly today. God, that they they care for one another, they encourage one another, they admonish one another, they exhort one another, and they pray for one another. God, today I've stood in front of them and I've made them a promise. The promise I've made to them today is that you will fill their heart with joy and peace and their hearts will abound in hope as they believe, and it will all come by the power of the Holy Spirit. The supernatural power of the Spirit in their heart may give them a word. Some of you, I believe, it might be a dream. Some, it might be, some of you, I, God's going to send somebody else to you, and they're going to whisper in your ear, and it's gonna be, you're going to hear, and you're going to say, that's the direction. Others of you, Maybe have a more trained ear to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to show you your escape route. Like David, whatever it is. I just know the answer's coming. I just feel that in my heart. You've got hope. You've got hope. God will give you hope. God's going to lead you. If God could take his man David and take him out of the Philistine camp and put him where he belonged back in the land of Israel then He can do the same for you. That's what the Word does. It gives us hope. But I will say this. I believe that the overwhelming majority of you are going to get direction because, listen to this, listen, here's where it's going to come. You're going to be studying the Word. You're going to be reading, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God's going to quicken a Word in your heart. And when that moment comes, you're going to know there's your promise.
or there's your direction. Those two things. The Spirit of God, Paul said, the Scriptures that were written aforetime are written for our comfort. Through the patience and the comfort of the Word, we have hope. So today, Father, I blessed your people with the Word that you gave me. And I am fully persuaded that what I preached today was the Word to this church family. Not just a word. I didn't get this sermon off of sermon.com. There was no download of anybody else's previous preaching. Father, I diligently searched your word and prayed and said, God, what is the word to our fellowship? And I believe that you wanted to remind your people that you're the God of all hope. You are the God of all hope today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.